0: Greetings in Jesus' name, I'm Bishop Chester Wright and this is the video teaching series The Love of God and this is part four of that series and this is lesson number eight of part four and part four of the series is The Compelling Love of God and this lesson is the new creature, the new creature that is the product of the love of God. I'm going to to begin reading with the verses that I focused on yesterday uh, in the last lesson. Uh, Verse uh, 14, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Uh, the Second uh, Corinthians 5, uh, 16 and 17 in the Amplified Consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards of value. No, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him to no longer, we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creature altogether, the old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold the flesh, the, excuse me, behold the fresh and new has come. And then the uh, we expanded translation verses 16 to 17, so that as far as, as for us, from this particular time onward, even one individual we do not know as judged from the basis upon the basis of human standard. Even though we, Paul, in his unsaved state, uh, have known Christ as judged by human standard, yet now no longer do we know him as such. So that, assuming that anyone is in Christ, he is a new, he is a creation. New in quality. The antiquated out of date things which do not belong to the new life in Christ Jesus have passed away. Behold, all things have become new in quality. So we're talking about the new creature. We're talking about the new creature. Well, <laughs> the uh, last three lessons, especially, gives us some idea of the process that God uses to get us to this new creature where old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And God's perfect process is always in regards to our involvement with his mission, with his purpose, with his plan, for what? Why he was in the earth, and he tells us in Luke chapter nineteen, verse ten, that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So this is why Christ came. This was his mission. This was his purpose. This was his uh, this was his place in God's plan. This is this was why he came and if i am in christ because i've been baptized into christ galatians 327 or and i have christ in me because christ has been baptized in me by the baptism of the holy ghost 1 corinthians 1013 among others if 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 that's the the case and i have to have the spirit of christ Because Romans 8 and 9 says, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So, if I'm in Christ and I have Christ in me, and the mission, the purpose that Christ came, is to seek and to save the lost, then it is impossible for a person that's in Christ, and that Christ is in them, and they're going to please God they're going to have to be involved in some way somehow as the Lord leads according to their giftings and purpose involved in seeking and saving the lost and of course seeking the lost and saving the lost doesn't mean just them becoming born again saving the lost includes discipleship discipling them some people are gifted soul winners Some people are gifted home Bible study teachers. Others are gifted uh, uh, disciple makers. Some are gifted in all those areas. Everybody needs to be involved somehow in getting the people from being a rank unborn again sinner all the way to being a mature saint of God. This is the plan of God. This is the will of God. This is the mission of Christ in the earth. But as I taught in lesson five, we start out in that involvement just to save ourselves. But through time, we realize that this isn't just about us. We're not just trying to keep ourselves out of hell. But now we have this second phase of this mission, which is to see the lost not go to hell. I have been mistreated by many people over the years. Some much more severely than others. I have some scars in my body from people's mistreatment of me. Literally. I have been talked about to my face behind my back. I have people that hate my guts. I said all this for this purpose. There is not one single individual in this world. No matter how they've treated me. That I want to see them go to hell. I don't want anybody to go to hell. It doesn't matter how they treated me. It doesn't matter what they've done or not done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't want to see anybody go to hell. And as I taught in lesson six. About how horrible this final punishment is. How can anybody in their right mind. I, I want to see them go to hell. Hitler was a, it was responsible for a lot of people dying, but if I had the option, I wouldn't want to see him go to hell if he'd get saved, repent of his sins. Joseph Stalin, millions of people died at the hands of Joseph Stalin. I don't want to see him go to hell. Jeffrey Dahmer, all the people that he he uh, abused, misused, and then killed. It actually ate some of their flesh. What a horrible, horrible, horrible things those he, uh, that he did. I don't see him go to hell. Now, me not wanting to see people go to hell and whether or not they go to hell is two different things. I don't want them to go to hell because it's not the will of God that any should perish. And that's what the Lord has put in my heart. It's his feelings about it. Now, what they do with his love that he offers them, That's between them and God. And then finally, finally, as we've taught in the last lesson, verses 14 and 15, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live, those that used to be dead in sin, trespass and sins, that are now alive in Christ Jesus, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. It is in this third dimension of a burden. It is in this third area of, of life and existence and walk with God. It is this crucified life that he leads me to and gives me the grace to submit to, in which I can have full expectation that I am a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. You see, I've read the verses for years. I don't know if you have, but of course the scripture says... Galatians 3.27, for as many as are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Okay. So when I was water baptized, Christ and his righteousness were put on me. I was put into him. He was put on me. Then why is it in other places that Paul is exalting, exhorting Christians to put on Christ? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24, that we should put on the new man. Which is uh, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, from righteousness unto true holiness. Well, I thought I already put on Christ. Why are you now telling me, Paul, as a as a a a, a, a saint in the, the, the church at Ephesus or a church in the a saint in the universal church, I should put on Christ because Galatians three tells the tale. That 99.999% of us, we start out in the spirit. We have to give ourselves to God and to the spirit of God to be able to to repent, to be water baptized in Jesus' name and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But somewhere in the next few hours, days, weeks, months, or whatever, we take back over. The yieldedness we gave to God, we take it back over, and now we are trying to <clears throat> be righteous by doing righteousness, and we're trying to be good, and 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 we don't. And those is the difference the way we pray in, in these first two dimensions of our walk with God. And again, the Lord uses the mission of souls. As the impetus, the catalyst, and the focal point of these dimensions. Because it's not... A lot of people with souls out of the equation. They're just going to church to be saved. They're just paying their tithes to be saved. They're just living separated to be saved. They're just obeying the preacher to be saved. It's all about them. And that's why it doesn't work. Because it's all about them. In God, everything God does, it's all about us. So in return, because... We love Him because He first loved us. His love coming to us makes it all about Him. That's the first commandment. But let's be really transparent here. Very few of us have actually been able to, very, very few of us, have been able to actually understand that from the beginning because we're babes in Christ. And Peter said, First Peter 2, 2, as as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. So we're just starting out of this. We don't really understand. We don't have the knowledge of the word we need. We don't whatever. So in that process, we take back over. And God lets us. Why would he stop us? Because first of all, by his own will, he limited himself in this dimension called temporal time. To never force any human being to do anything against their will. But second of all, it serves his purpose to let us take over. Because then we're going to fail. And we're going to fail a lot. And when he said, without me you can do nothing. It's one thing for him to say that. It's another thing for you and I to believe that. Well, what is it that will cause me to believe that? Experiencing. That without him, I can do nothing. And if I don't experience that, then I don't come to this conclusion that I can't do anything for God. I can't live for God. I can't work for God. I can try to live for God. I can try to work for God. But I'm going to fail more than I succeed. And that brings even my successes into question. Of whether or not it was true, truly success. Is it something God actually did? Or was it my own human will and personality and emotion that did it? Or seems to have done it? Well, in that process, God begins to let us see this is not really about us. Yes, I'm here to be saved, but... He didn't leave me here because it was about me. He didn't leave me here to give me a better life and make me a better person. Where's that in the Bible? He never promised to give me a better life and make me a better person. Because I get saved, yes, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Yeah, that's the promise. But that's not talking about my natural life becoming some utopia. Which is a The figure, the, the, the fantasy imagination of this world, they think by their efforts and by humanity that we can get there because the humanism believes that man is inherently good and that given the right set of circumstances and environment, man will be good and do good. What a deception. Man is not inherently good with a great, great majority of us, if it wasn't for the consequences of wrong, we would be doing wrong. Why? Because the Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. (laughs) I was talking about this recently, but uh, the priests in the tabernacle and temple, they ate uh, bread in the holy place every day was called the the King James word for it is shoe bread s h e w, shoe bread, and it was baked fresh every day, and they ate it as uh, unto God in the holy place as an act of, uh, uh, of demonstrating that we, you and I need the fresh word of God every day. But here's what here's what's unique about that bread. Uh, it not only has unleavened. It's not only unleavened bread, meaning the the spiritual equivalent is there's no flesh in the preparation of it. Uh, But it's also sprinkled with frankincense, which makes it bitter to the taste. So they ate bread that did not taste good. It was bitter to the flesh, but sweet to the belly if swallowed. All of the words of God is like that. There's nothing in the word of God that appeals to the flesh. And any presentation of the word of God in a way that would appeal to my flesh didn't come from God. Never has. Never will. It's one of the tests of what spirit is behind ministry. If it's appealing to the flesh, if it's making flesh feel better about what it is and what it's doing, it's never from God. Never from God. Well... The scripture says that we're supposed to come to this understanding that if he died for all, everybody was dead. And as I said in the last lesson, he gave his life for the dead, the spiritually dead. Ephesians 2.1, we're dead in trespasses and sins so that we who are dead would have his life. But now I have a choice what I'm going to do that I'm alive. Am I going to live that for myself? Are my prayers going to be about me and my and mine? Uh, am I going to go to church just because of what I get out of it? Am I going to be involved? Am I going to pay my tithes and give my offers because of what I'm going to get back from it? Am I going to, uh, please the, the pastor by obeying him so that he'll give me some really visible jobs to do so that everybody will know who I am? Am I going to live uh, separated so I can measure myself by everybody and condemn all of those that are not as separated from as me? And, And It's always the case, you see. I take my separation and I use it to judge those who are not as separated as me. But I don't ever go the other way and say, Whoa, look at him, he's a whole lot more separated than me. Maybe I'm in bad shape. No, no, we don't do that, see. That's how we know that we're in the flesh with it. And of course, that's where it all comes down to. It see, then it becomes a contest to see who's more separated. That's all flesh. It's not God. That's that's not God. That's like that, that's like uh, women getting to marry and uh, getting together and, and bragging about who's more married than the other one, or men getting together talking about who's more of a husband in all ways than the others. How foolish is that? It's all flesh. It's not God. None of that concept or purpose or principle is God. So if I'm going to be a new creature and old things are passed away, I was born again into life. He gave me life. But now, I've got to be crucified with Christ into death. Why? Because then that lets Christ's life Be the only one living in and through me. And in Christ, he's a new creature. (laughs) In him, there is none of this old stuff. So if I'm letting Christ live in me because I've been crucified with Christ, given up self, given up all my will to God, and I'm his. I'm living the fact that I've been bought with a price. I am not my own. By the grace of God. I am crucified with Christ and now he's living in and through me. And he's not going to live those old things that I've struggled with after I got saved that were, that were vestiges of what was left over from my life of sin. No. First John chapter three, verse eight, the scripture says that Christ was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. That Greek word destroy there is luo, L-U-O. It's the same Greek word as translated in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. "Unto you, I give the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, loosed, luo. So when Christ was manifested to loose us from the, the, the effects of the works of the devil in our life. <clears throat> Those are the things I struggle with after I'm saved. You say, well, I don't believe in that. Well, when Paul wrote in Romans 7 about all of his struggle, he wasn't talking about his struggle before he got saved. He was talking about the struggle he had after he got saved. The things I will, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Uh, to will is present with me, but how to find out how to do what I will, I find not. O wretched uh, there is in me, that is in my flesh, there dwells no good thing. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? That's, That's what God wants to bring us to in this first phase and then this second phase. That first dimension of a burden, the second dimension of a burden. And again, souls are everything. That's what we're here for. But God uses souls. As the test for our involvement with him. To bring us to the end of ourselves. So that now we can be this new creature in Christ. Because we've been crucified with Christ. And once we're at that place. Actually. If you stay crucified with Christ. Everything is easy. Because you're not doing it. It's not your emotions. It's not your love. It's not your vision. It's not your purpose. It's not your, uh, it's not your passion. It's not your burden. It's not your spirit. It's not your words. It's not your love. It's not your energy. It's all his. He's living his life through us. So it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Yeah. Therefore, therefore what? Therefore, based on everything it was written at the very least in, in 1 Corinthians 4 that we talked about in the first four lessons of this uh, part, four. And then the three parts of the transition uh, from self to others to Jesus. It's all, it's all there. So therefore, if all of that is worked, then... And I'm in Christ. I'm a new creature because I'm not just in Christ. If I'm crucified with Christ, now Christ is living in me. You say, but I have the Spirit of Christ. Yes, I received the Spirit of Christ at the uh, at my salvation at being born again. But what about Christ? How can Christ be in me? How can I be in Christ? Okay, I was born again. I was baptized into Christ. But Christ is the Logos made flesh. So if I'm going to be in Christ, I've got to be living a life of his word. And if Christ is in me, then the anointed word is abiding in me and is the final authority in my life. And so if I am crucified with Christ... For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, and that he died for all, all that they which live should not henceforth live unto uh, themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So if I've been crucified with Christ, Christ, the Spirit of Christ has been in me all this time. But the the the, the anointed word is abiding in me and is the final authority in my life. And if I'm in that case, I am a new creature with all those old things have passed away. And all of this is new because it's all in Christ and he is now abiding in me and living this through me. All these first two, these first two periods or phases of my life. I had the spirit of Christ, and I fellowship with the word of Christ, but the word of Christ wasn't the final authority of my life. It was not the final authority. Be- being saved, it doesn't automatically make me a mature Christian. I am a babe. I've got to grow up. And what growing up means, coming to the end of me. Coming to the understanding that I can't do this myself. I want to be a new creature. I am a new creature. Why? Because on August the 1st, 2003, I was crucified with Christ. And these last 17 or so years internally I have not been perfect. I have had times of some struggle when I've kind of moved back on the other side of the line for a few hours or days or week or so, a few times. But the Holy Ghost, by his love, the Lord open my eyes, let me say, oh, and by the grace of God, I went back to the restoration of that crucifixion. This has been easy internally. The flow of the love of God, the flow of the ministry of the word of God, the flow of the spirit of God, the flow of prayer. Am I perfect? Not this stuff's not perfect, but the one living in me, he is perfect. The one ministering through me, he is perfect. He didn't have any old things in him. He's all new. And my fellowship with him allows that to be the case. My fellowship with him allows that to be the case. And I I am still an earthen vessel, but an earthen vessel that he keeps dead. (laughs) My exterior circumstances keep me dead so that inside I'm not just living with this original life. Now I'm living with the spirit and the word abiding in me and being the governance of my life. The, uh, the Greek word translated spiritual in the New Testament, according to Thayer's, has two parts to it. The first part is to be filled with the Spirit. But I can be carnal and be full of the Spirit. Because the second part is to be governed by the Spirit. That means it's His will, His way, no other will, no other way. I am not spiritual unless God is the final authority in my life in everything, unless I am seeking for and walking in his step every day. Uh, I, I read the other day on Facebook where a, an apostolic preacher said that, that God does not have a will for us every day. He has a general will for us. That is a lie from the pits of hell. That is the spirit of iniquity talking if the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and the average person in a hurry can take three, four, five, six steps a second and the steps are ordered by the Lord that every step I take, God has a will for that step. Now I am not implying that the Lord is going to speak step, 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 step. No, no. But if the if, I abide in God and he abides in me by his spirit and his anointed word. That is the final authority of my life that I'm seeking for his peace, according to his word. And I'm walking those steps in that peace. And at any moment I'm out of his will, I will begin to feel my peace wane. I'll feel it. I'll begin to feel it, begin to shift. And when it does, when it does, There's a problem. There's a problem. I need to stop. The Scripture teaches me to follow peace, follow peace. Jesus' name. Colossians 2, 3.15 says, Colossians 3.15 says, Let peace rule in your hearts. The word rule there is arbitrator, uh, decision maker. Let peace be the decision maker. Follow your peace. If I'm crucified with Christ, then I have peace. And Christ is abiding in me by his spirit. And and by his word, the logos, abiding in me, as the, the Lord of my life. That's what Lord means, supreme ruler. A lot of people call him Lord. He's not their Lord. He doesn't he, he doesn't run their life. He's not in charge of their life. They call him Lord, but he's not. When I when I have was dead and he died for me, and then he gave me his life. He did not give me his life for me to live that life for me. He gave me his life so that I could give that life back to him. So that he then could use me for his plan, his purposes, his kingdom, his will, for his namesake. He told Israel, I haven't done these things for you. I've done these things for my name's sake. I haven't forgiven you of your sins for your sake. I've forgiven you of your sins for my name's sake. Well, that's true for us. He's not doing this for us specifically. He's doing this for his name's sake. Now, you say, well, that's pretty, that's pretty selfish. No, no. Look at all the blessings and the benefit we get because he wants to do this for us for his own glory. I get to enjoy all of that. I get the benefits of all of that. I get to be a part of that glory. I get to be a part of Him. I get to be a part of His plan, His purpose, His kingdom. I get to be a part of His life. I get to be a part of Him. The infinite, I am God, our Father. <laughs> is working all these things according to the pleasure of His will. uh, Revelation chapter four verse eleven. That's what we're going to say to him when we bow down before him and cast our throne our our crowns at his feet. You've done all this according to the pleasure of your own will, after your own pleasure. This is this is for you've done all this for your your pleasure for your will's sake. That's the Greek word there, literally your will's sake. But I get to be in heaven. (laughs) I get to sit on a throne around the. The throne with the rest of the the bride of Christ. I, I get crowns. I get to be a king and priest. I get all of that. But he did it for his sake. So he saved me. Not so that I could have a good life. Not so I could be a better person. He saved me for his plan, his purposes, his kingdom. And that being the case... That's how I become a new creature in practice. Over here, it's new creature in promise. I'm saved. I'm newborn. I've got the spirit of Christ in me and I'm fellowshipping occasionally with the word. <laughs> but the word's not the final authority in my life. I make my own decisions. I make my, I, I'm in control. I'm in charge. But when I, when I die by the grace of God out myself, I am now <laughs> I now have abundant life because the Spirit of Christ and the Word of God abides in me. And He said, "If ye abide in Me and My words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done." So in this case, it's not about me. I'm not asking stuff for me, but I can pray what I what I feel prompted of the Spirit to pray for the kingdom, no matter how far out there it sounds and feels. And he will do it because it's for the purpose. It's for the purpose. You want to be a new creature? You can't live for yourself, even as a Christian. Because the love of Christ compels us, constrains us. And one definition of that Greek word, constrains is arrests us. Paul called himself the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was arrested by God because the love of Christ compelled him. To give himself totally to God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you receive this spirit of revelation. That is ministering to you right now. Don't look at this face. Don't hear this human voice. But hear in your spirit, the spirit of God speaking to you receive what god has said to you in this lesson and the others that preceded it and the ones that will follow it hear that and that word being swallowed that's bitter to the flesh but swallowed into your inner man it will become sweet to your inner man and it will produce such wonderful things in you if you will let it in the name of the lord jesus christ Let it be so, and it is so. Amen.